we choose to be glad in it, Father. Lord, I pray right now for this message. Holy Spirit, I ask you to have your way. Lord, I, I just put, push myself aside, all my thoughts, my opinions, Father, what I think, Lord Jesus. And let your word fill my mouth, Father God. Lord, I know you have a message. You've, you've demonstrated years ago, Father. But right now, Lord, we're here and we're listening. And Father, your, your promise of the Spirit, Lord, I know will teach us and show us, will grow us and correct us, will train us, Father, and rebuke us, Father. Lord, because it's your word that sets the captives free, Lord. Anybody that's captive here, Father God, set them free this moment, Lord. Let your word be penetrating right now. And that devil, I bind you away from these words. Everything you're trying to come from me, you will not hinder God's word. Father, I thank you that your word never turns void, that a return will come back, and that's people's hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say, amen and amen. Well, happy Easter, everybody. Happy Resurrection Sunday. I'm pumped up about this because I got one thing I wanted to share with you, okay? Obviously, it's Jesus, but when I was reflecting on this whole week, and I was talking to my wife the other day, I realized there's some things that we need to get rooted within us. You know, myself, when I, when I get into God's word personally, I, and I start kind of just marinating in a sense and, and, and allowing God's just words to speak to me, I realize there are things in life that we need to continue to remind ourselves. You guys know what I'm talking about? Husbands, you all know what I'm talking about? We need constant reminders from our wives. You know what I'm saying? Don't leave me alone up here. You know, I, I need constant reminders. And I love it because as I was kind of going through this, you know, you kind of know the obvious, Jesus died, Jesus went to the grave, Jesus is alive again. But there's so much more that God wants to bring in to this place and in his message. It really is a package. You know, there's, there are times where, where, you know, you think you get one thing, but you realize, man, there's a whole package that comes behind it. And today is one of those days where I'm believing God is going to show you a package, okay? It's going to be, it's going to stuff that you know probably, but you're going to realize, oh, wow, there are more benefits to this, this salvation that I have. And, you know, last week we, we really began um, a journey with Jesus through the scriptures. Last week we got, to, we got to celebrate Palm Sunday. Everyone say Palm Sunday. And the reason why I wanted you guys to say that is because growing up I've never heard of Palm Sunday. Now, I've heard of Easter's, okay? Some of us will say Easter's. You know, we've heard of Easter's, you know, but I've never heard of Palm Sunday. Now, I've heard of Good Friday, but didn't know what Good Friday was about. All I knew is cookouts. You know, it's time, time to go out and time to eat and spend time with the family. But as you encounter and create a relationship with Jesus and start diving in, you realize in Scripture that Palm Sunday, which we celebrated last week, Palm Sunday was just a, a celebration of the triumphal entry of Jesus going into Jerusalem. Now, I want to I highlight something real quick because you're going to have to remember this in a little bit, okay? Palm Sunday is a triumphal entry of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. Remember that for a second, okay? Now, when you look, when you look at the, uh, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, they all have those accounts. You'll see that that literally is the beginning when he enters into Jerusalem. That's the beginning of his journey to the cross, the grave, and the resurrection. It all starts there. And last week, we had palm branches. Some of us were getting smacked by the kids with these palm branches. I don't know if you guys did, but I did a couple of times. But reality is, this was a journey and a road Jesus had to take so we can sit here in freedom. 
You see, the journey of, about Palm Sunday, him entering, had to happen because it was a part of God's plan. He had to suffer so we didn't have to suffer. And so if you're living in some type of suffering or sufferingness or, or something in life, I want you to listen closely because Jesus is about to tell you, hey, I, I did that for you already. I did that for you. You know, even in the Old Testament, in other words, before Jesus was born, there was a prophecy about this. In Ezekiel, um, oh, sorry, Zechariah in 9.9, he said this, Shout and cheer, daughter Zion. Praise or raise the roof, daughter Jerusalem. Your king is coming. Now check this next verse out. A good king who makes all things right. A good king, okay? A humble king riding on a donkey. Now, whether we read the scriptures or saw the movie, when Jesus enters into Jerusalem, how is he entering? Riding on a donkey, if you didn't know that. Riding on a donkey. You can look at Matthew 21, 7. It talks about how he entered in. And Zechariah is speaking this before Jesus is even born. He's talking about a king that's going to redeem all mankind. You know, who's ever watched those medieval uh, movies? Don't. This is, I know we're in church. It's okay. Confess it. No, I'm just playing. Who's watched those medieval type of movies, you know? You know, back in the day where there was a king, you know, and there's kingdoms that they fought for. And don't shout the movie out because I'm not promoting movies, okay? Let's just say we watched Narnia. Let's just go with that one, okay? <laughs> Once a king in Kingdom of Aslan or Narnia, always a king in Kingdom of Narnia. Anyways, but think about those those scenarios for a second. You know, I know a lot of times men will probably like those because of the battles and and what they go through. And you know, this it's about a king trying to take on territory. That's what it's all about. They're fighting for territory. You know, and 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 so through these battles, they got to capture the king to take on that area. You know, and as they, as they continue the battle, as they send troops out, as they, they light things on fire, whatever they do to, to, to take it down, their aim is to take down the king so they can gain the land, gain that territory. You know, in a sense, Jesus knew this battle was going to come called the cross, Calvary. He knew what was coming, but he wasn't fighting for land. He, was fighting, he wasn't fighting for territory to take this land and that land or this world. He was fighting the territory of your heart. That's the land he wanted was your heart because there was a spiritual battle going on. You know, we hear this all the time. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. God has a plan. God has a plan for you. Did you know the devil has a plan for you as well? Let's be real for a second. Did you know the devil, according to John 10, 10, that wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life? He has a plan for you guys. He wants to destroy everything that you have with God. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your relationships. He wants to destroy your marriages. He wants to destroy you and your, your parenting and, and your, with your children. He wants to destroy everything about you. The Bible says that when he speaks lies, that's his native tongue. He can't speak anything else. It's his native tongue. And so he's going to use his native tongue to speak to you to destroy everything. But the one thing he cannot get because it's already victory, is your heart. The only way he can claim your heart is if you give it to him. So just as much as God has a plan for you, the devil has a plan for you as well. And so we have to remember there was a triumphal entry. Everyone say triumphal entry. There was a triumphal entry going into Jerusalem. And I want you guys to remember that part, okay? Zechariah talked about it. And he said, hey, this king is going to come, and he's a good king, and he's a humble king. King. 
I love it because in those medieval movies, I mean, you got a sword. Last week at second service, I, for some reason, I brought my sword out because I wanted to give an illustration. I didn't give it to first service. Next time I will, okay? But I have this humongous sword in my office, right? Don't use it. I'll play with it sometimes, but I won't use it all the time. <laughs> But, you know, the sword is what really, I mean, with the right sword, with the right sword and the right battle, you're going in. Without the sword, you can't win. But with the sword, you've got something that you can counter an attack with. The word tells us his, his word is the sword of the spirit. And so when we allow God to continue to be within us and we face these little battles on earth called problems and issues in life, if we don't use our weapon, the word of God, like a sword, we're empty-handed. And so we have to remember the reason why Jesus had a triumphal entry into Jerusalem was because he was gaining hearts and people's lives. Then last Friday, a few days ago, we celebrated Good Friday. Now, we had a night of worship here, okay? And it was a phenomenal night of worship. It was, it was awesome. It was great. It was just a time of intimacy. It was a time of reflecting on the cross. You know, when I kept, kept thinking about this, when, when God was speaking up here for a while, and just giving me words. I literally had a message ready, like a, maybe a five, ten minute message. But at the last song, when my cue was about to go up, I heard in my heart, you're going to throw those notes out and you're going to let me speak. And I said, what? have you ever been in a position where you feel like unprepared? <laughs> We're excited about this. Woo, yeah. You know, for one moment, God says, I want to operate through you to speak to people. And I knew, okay, God, the only thing I have is the sword of the spirit, your word. And going up there, I know God did, did some work in people's hearts because that's what he was aiming for. But we had a night of worship. We, we reflected on the cross, and we reflected on what Jesus did for us. We don't have to mourn about it anymore. He says, remember what I did at the cross. We don't have to relive the sadness of that day. He says, I need you to remember what I did because I gave you every ounce of blood. It's been a pretty big week for us. Okay, knowing what Jesus did on the cross. In 1 Corinthians, Paul uh, reminds everybody about what, what Jesus said. Okay, and he says in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 3, he says, let me remind you. Okay, he's talking about remembering. Let me remind you of the good news. Verse 3, I pass on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. In other words, I'm going to teach you something that someone told me about Jesus Christ. Because that's how important it is. And I believe right here, there's a pattern that's being created for us to follow. What we are taught, we should pass on. You know, growing up as a kid, there were some things, some foolish things I did. My mom can tell you so many stories of some foolish things. I was a good kid, okay? But I made some mistakes, and I had to learn through my parents. But now, as a dad with four children, ten, eight Six and three, pray for me, okay? With all those ages right there, I'm passing on to them what was taught to me in me. And in a sense, he says, the word of God is the same. And Paul's saying, I'm going to pass something on to you, okay, that was passed on to me. In a sense, continue that pattern. Now check what he says. He says, Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture says, that he died, you know? And he, what he's saying is, there was a pivotal point on the cross. On the cross, there was an intersection where everything turned around for all mankind's life. Everything turned around. It was a day, I would say, a, a trade-off. When we were supposed to take the sufferings, when we were supposed to take on the pain and, the, and what, our, our punishment, Jesus says, let me do that for them. I was on Facebook the other day, and I saw the meme, and it said, Jesus looked at the cross, and then he looked at you, 
and he says, I got it, I'll go. For you and for me. And because of that, we have to remember, before the resurrection, there was, a, there was a death and there was a crucifixion. But before all that, we had to endure and watch and allow God to work through us through his death. You know, a will, you think of a will, for us to inherit something, we have to have it activated. There needs to be death involved in a family member. You know, for us to receive maybe that, that portion of money or that grandfather clock or this vehicle or whatever it is, you can be on the will, but if they're still alive... <laughs> It ain't yours. Don't try to open the car and drive off with it. God doesn't want you to do that. But for it to be yours and for you to inherit it requires you. It requires, it requires them to, to pass away. A death needed to happen. And Jesus says, I want you to inherit the kingdom of God. I want you to inherit the promise of the Holy Spirit. I want you to inherit all that I have for you. All the kingdom is yours. But I must suffer and go through this. And because he did that, Today, we get to celebrate a risen king. Today, we come together, probably the most attendance possible is this day. It's this day because we're understanding, we're celebrating Jesus is alive again. How awesome would it be if the whole world could celebrate that together? And want to, think about it. How awesome would it be to know that we serve a living king and we, we pray for revival, but understand that revival is already happening in people's hearts. It's the territorial part of things that, that Jesus wants in someone's heart. Now, here's where I'm going with this whole thing, okay? Because of Palm Sunday, because of Good Friday, we celebrate Easter Sunday. Why do we have to wait every year to do this? Question. Why do we have to wait till 2020 to have another encounter with Jesus like this? It really got me thinking a while. Because I believe Jesus wanted to do something in our lives to what, and according to what he did in Jerusalem and the people's lives during that time. You remember the triumphal entry I was talking about? I don't believe we have to wait till next week, April or March, to celebrate another triumphal entry. There are going to be people in your, in your lives that God wants you to usher him into their hearts. Where they will have a triumphal entry into their hearts, realizing there is a God that loves me. There is a God who wants me. There is a God that says he died for me. And then at that point, like a good Friday, they're going to look at the cross and they're going to realize I have a way out of my sin. And it was through the crucifixion. And not only that, he's able to now, they're able to now make an, a decision to say, I want Jesus in my heart. And guess what just happened? Jesus just gained another heart for the kingdom of God using you. I share all this because I want you to know there is none like Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, there is none like Jesus. You know, there are many gods and religions out there, but there is none like Jesus. The difference between Jesus and any other God in this entire world is the resurrection. You know, I worked at Gentech for about four and a half years uh, back in tw uh, 2010. I worked there for a while and loved that corporation. Great, great job. They took care of us. And I mean, they just had a good, prosperous company. But I went in there with a mission. You know, obviously to make circuit boards, okay? But I went there with another mission of Jesus, use me. Use me while I'm here, while I'm, while I'm with these people. I want, to, I want to share your news, not just by preaching to them, but through my actions, the way I love them, the way, the way I serve them. I want, I, want, I want them to see you. And I don't know what, what time of period it was in, but they called us in to go in 4.30 in the morning one time. 4.30 in the morning I had to clock in. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. 
You know, we were on, you know those overtime hours? It's hot in here, isn't it? You know, you know those, the, the overtime hours? You know, and you're like, okay, the check looks nice, but reality is this. I'm tired, okay? I'm tired. And I was tempted. I was tempted to just not go in that day, but I said, I'm going to go in that day. Well, we fast forward. I clock in. I start my job, and they actually moved me to test some boards. I said, okay, well, I'm next to this lady that I've known for about a year now, older lady, and, and we, we're just chatting up a storm, and I don't know what, what caused, it was Jesus, but, you know, at the time, I'm like, what's this? I, I'm going to ask her a question. And I said, hey, wh- wh- how's your upbringing? Where are you from, you know? And she told me she's from another country, and, you know, she shared her, her, her background. Well, long story short, she believes in a God, I guess it's, it's Buddhism, I think is what it's called. It's just another religion, all right, that they serve another God. So I asked her a question. I said, tell me about this God. I just want to hear about it. She filled me in about all, I guess, his journey on earth. And then I said, okay, is he, is he alive still? Well, no, he's not. Not alive. Okay. Then why are you talking to someone that, that can't even hear you? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I guess it's just my, I was taught that growing up. Can I share to you about my God? Yeah, yeah, because I took some time to talk to her. Share about the gospel. I share about the road of Jesus. I share about his death, burial, and resurrection. And I focused on he's alive today. I'm telling you, the eyes were glued like like a kid on a TV, right? (laughs) The eyes were glued and just wanted to hear more. And I could tell she needs an invitation. And I gave her that invitation I said, would you want to accept Jesus in your heart? Not trying to condemn what you're doing, but let's just start with Jesus having a triumphal entry into your heart really quick. And she had said, yes, why wouldn't I? <laughs> I remember the conversation, this is like 5.30 in the morning, so I'm still like rubbing the sleep out of my eye. I'm probably, you know, <laughs> just slurring my words during that time. But God was using that moment. And I'm telling you, I, I, we, I led her to a prayer, and I said, God, She's like, God, and she repeated after me, and she said, Holy Spirit, make a home in my heart. Forgive me my sin. And as soon as she said that, we said, amen. I promise you guys. She said, amen. And I've never seen a physical transformation in someone's face. You know, she was, she's more, she was a really uh, light, light-complected lady, very light. But for the first time, I saw her, like, cheekbones, like, twitching. Not to scare anybody, right? <laughs> Not scaring any of you. Right, just, just hear me out. There's a, there's a message behind this, okay? Her, her, her cheekbones were twitching, and she was turning red, really, really red. And I, and I remember thinking, and, I, and no joke, I remember thinking, what did I do? Like, <laughs> oh, man. And then tears fall down her eyes, and I said, are, are you okay? And she said, yeah, <laughs> I just love Jesus. That's what she, I, it was just so overwhelming for her, you know? <laughs> Go figure, 30 seconds later, my boss says, okay, I need you to move over there. And I had to walk away from her, like, oh, man. <laughs> and I remember, I remember uh, another coworker I worked with, uh, she, she was a believer as well, too. And I said, hey, connect with her because, I, I mean, she's crying. It's good, but I couldn't explain it to her. She's like, I got it, I got it. That's 530 in the morning. 1030 comes, right? And I had to go back to where she's at. And I, well, I kind of forgot about the situation, okay? I go back, I'm like, hey, how's it going? And she's like, I'm good, I'm good. She's still crying. And I said, are you okay? Are you okay? 
And she said, yeah, I just love Jesus so much. Because she had a triumphal entry in her heart. Church, we celebrate Easter. It's great. We come in. It's a Sunday. We're family. We get invited. That's good. That's good. But if you're thinking, I'm here to do my duty, ah, man, God's going to do something in your life. He's going to mess something up real quick. I prayed about this moment. I said, God, I can, I can have an Easter message, a sermon the way I want to tailor it, or you can just talk to the people that come here because you know who's coming. And he's, I chose that. He's choosing that as well, too. There is a reason why this lady had, a, had a, a physical transformation because the dead God that she was serving, the dead that was in her already had to had exit out and leave because the living God came in her and she had this thing where she just couldn't believe what was happening in her life. I just truly believe because she was so deeply rooted in something else that she had a physical transformation. Now, I don't think, I've never seen that in anybody else. Do not freak out about that. But I know God touched her right then and there. And not only that, the process of her feeling the forgiveness of a father, knowing that there was a good Friday going on in here. You know, there was, a, there was the entry happening with the Spirit of God, but the good Friday was happening in her, and she was rejoicing with tears, saying, I just love Jesus. Never heard about him before but encountered and had an experience with him. Church, who is it in your world that you can usher in a good king, a king who is humble into somebody's heart? Well, I don't know much of the Bible. God didn't say you had to know much of the Bible. God said you need to know me through my son Jesus. Well, I can't, I'm not really good at, you know, with my, my speech and how... God says, don't, don't worry about your elegant speech. Just demonstrate my power and my spirit to the people. You know, that, that, that story that I just shared with you is a very, very, um, ah, what's the word? Just something I will always remember, seeing how God worked, knowing that God had a vision for her life. And my first point to you guys is God has a vision for your life. We said it earlier that the enemy's trying to steal Kim's story, but let's not forget what Jesus said in John 10, 10 in the second half of that verse. Jesus himself says, but I have come. I have come. Everyone say, I have come. Jesus says, I have come. Well, what does that look like, Jesse? Well, I have come means I have come to this earth to walk with you guys. I have come to this earth to take a beating on my back by my stripes you're healed. I have come to take nails in my hands and my feet. I have come to endure a cross. I have come to teach. I have come to give you a promise. I have come to restore. That's what I have come, Jesus was talking about. There was a mission why he came. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Other translations would say life abundantly. Abundant life. That you're just not going to breathe oxygen, but you're going to breathe the breath of God. And that when you walk and when you grow old or get older, that every step you take can give glory to God. And that you can pass on what was given to you onto them as well, like Paul said earlier. I know it's Easter Sunday, and I know we're celebrating a resurrection king, but I'm believing that God's going to bring resurrection in your guys' hearts. God, Jesus is celebrating the resurrection hearts here in this place, that people are going to come alive right now if you just let him enter in your heart with victory in his hand already, ready to give it to you. You know, God's vision for you is this, that you will have the knowledge to know who he really is. Who he really is, not what the world says he is. 
I mean, for years as a kid, you know, I've heard of God, I've known of God, and, and you know, and I've always thought, man, I have to be perfect. I have to make sure I don't mess up, because if I stumble, man, he's got that lightning in his hand, and he's ready, wa-pa! You know, or is that me as a dad only with my kid? No, I'm joking. That was a joke. That was a total joke. <laughs> it's getting hot in here, babe. <laughs> it's the jacket. I know it. I need to take this off. <laughs> She's like, yeah, take it off, take it off. Typically, I don't wear jackets, but it was Easter Sunday, so. <laughs> All right, so you need to understand that there is a God that I didn't know, that I didn't quite understand. I've heard. And I've tried, I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, I kept failing. Man, I can't do this thing. I just can't. Church is not for me. Church is not for me. You keep going, you're doing good, but not for me. And I, and I realized I had a misdefinition of who God was because I was being taught through other sources that was not the living word of God. And then I had that friend. <laughs> and then... He taught me some things. And then I come to this church. And then God just takes control. And I've realized my definition of you, God, was completely different. You're not a God. You're a dad. You're a dad who loves me. You're a dad that says, I want to adopt you into my family. You're a dad that says, you're the apple of my eye. You're a dad that says, when you stumble, then you can get back up again. Because my grace is sufficient for your life. That's the God I wanted in my life. That was the God I wanted as a father in my life. But someone had to teach me the real, true definition of who he really is. What's your neighbor say? Who he really is. You know, we try to aim for perfection. We really do. But God says, I'm not looking for perfection. I'm looking for growth in a person's heart. You know, God's intention was for you to never fall. He didn't want you to fall. He didn't want Adam and Eve to fall. That was never his intention. But his intention was for you to get back up when you fall. It happened, but he wants us to get back up. I think the perfect example is, is King David. We, we, we hear the story about David and Goliath. David and Goliath, you, slay, you know, David slays the giant Goliath, cuts the head off, yeah, you know, does the whole deal. Boys love it, right? We, we reenact it at home sometimes. Well, I do. I told my son Joshua, you're Goliath, I'm David, okay? <laughs> no, it's the other way around. And then all of a sudden, my other son just jumps on me. That's not a part of the story. No. <laughs> but you have, you, you have this story of David who, who did this mighty thing, and a whole army was paralyzed by this Philistine named Goliath. And this little boy, 12 years old, comes in, in the name of the Lord, grabs a rock and slings, and just kills the man. And he just drops him dead. And everybody's praising him. And wow, he's awesome. And that's because he simply loved God and he had God on his side. You fast forward, David does a lot of great things. David is so wise. David is a successful king. He's anointed king and he becomes king of Israel. And David is labeled as a man after God's own heart. But then David has a fall with Bathsheba. And if you know the story, he commits adultery with her. He turned away from God for a second to do what he wanted to do, and he falls flat on his face. But because of a repenting heart, God was able to get him right back up again. God was looking for the bounce. God was looking for, stand up. It's time to move forward because God's grace was with David. And whatever bad decision he made, God turned it for his glory. And Solomon came, one of the wisest men on this earth, wrote some of the Bible. 
What have you fallen from that God's waiting for you to bounce back up? What, it, what, what have you fallen in? What, what part of your life you feel like, I'm flat in my face right now, and God's saying, okay, let's get back up. Let's move forward, because my grace is with you if you would just turn away from it. That is it. Just turn away from it and start growing in that area so I can move and be glory in your life. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul says this. Actually, it reminds us of what Jesus says. He says, uh, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Let's say that together. My power is made perfect in weakness. I say that because that's what I live every day of my life. You have weaknesses in your life, but God's saying my power is going to surpass that weakness and people are going to see me. I mean, when we finish the verses, it's therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. My weakness growing up and what I was labeled was you're a slow reader, you don't have an elegant speech, and you're very timid by people. You can't even look them in their eyes. And I grew up struggling with that. That was a weakness I had all the way through high school, all the way through even some Bible school that I went through. But then I got a hold of my weakness can be God's strength. And I gave it to him. And I gave it to him afraid because I'm like, oh, what are you going to do with this thing? Because I don't even want to talk to people. I can't even look them in their eyes. I'm so timid by man. Why was that a weakness? I don't know, but it was in me. Uh, I stumbled in my words. I, 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 I can't do any of this. Public speaking? Yeah, right. I'm not speaking in front of anybody. But I gave my weakness to God, and God did this, like a pizza. <laughs> God, God just turned, God turned that around. And he says, now watch my power operate through your weakness. And then he calls me here. What? Are you holding from God that he wants to do in your weakness? You think you can't do it. Alone, you can't. But in God, you can. Maybe it's simply just talking to somebody and saying, hey, let me, let me, let me just connect with you for a little bit. I don't know how to approach people. It's kind of hard. That's a weakness that I have. Okay, I'll get it. But God just said, and you just quoted it with me because you read it, that my power, Jesus says, is made perfect in weakness. So if you hand it to Jesus, he says, my power is going to flow through that weakness, and it's going to be made perfect to connect with that person. It's going to be perfect the way I operate through you. And let me tell you something. In that weakness, it no longer becomes a weakness. It becomes trust in the Lord going up there. I was just telling my wife earlier, I'm like, okay, babe, let's do this. And she reminds me of God's power is going to flow through you. And God's going to do the same thing with you guys as well too. This doesn't just happen on a platform. This happened when I was in Gentex. This happened when I'm with my family. This happened when I'm when maybe someone's hospitalized. Well, I just don't know how to pray. There is no right way to pray. Just believe that that weakness of speaking in front, front of somebody, that God's power is going to go through that. All you got to do is obey what God wants for your life. His grace is sufficient. What's your weakness? Like I said, what are the areas that God wants to work in your life? Because here's the deal. God's vision is not for you to be perfect, but for you to be mature in him. Ever say mature. 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 You can say it any way you want. You know, a simple message of God wanting to use you right where you're at. But here's the last thing I'm going to share with you guys. This is point two for you. That God wants you to live a significant life. 
Look at your neighbor and say, you're significant. Now look at your other neighbor, you didn't want to look at him again, and say, you're significant. Because God wants you to live a significant life. I was having a conversation with my wife the other day, and it was so cool to hear her talk and just talk about how Jesus' life was significant. You guys are here because we're celebrating uh, a risen King Jesus. Let's talk about him for a while while he was walking on earth. Everything Jesus did was significant. How Jesus talked and how Jesus walked. But this is what caught my eye, how Jesus didn't speak sometimes. Didn't think about that for a second. I think there is a lesson in that for all of us. There were moments in Jesus' life where he could have spoke, but he chose not to. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, Let's, 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 let's imagine Jesus right now. He's, he's, he's uh, already arrested. He's on his way to the cross, and he's being trialed by Pontius Pilate. And the Bible says that after he was just beaten, and he's facing a crowd of people that don't like him, and they're yelling, crucify, crucify. Pontius Pilate looks at Jesus and says, are you going to defend yourself? In other words, are you going to say something? do if you're in that moment right there? Wouldn't you try to defend? Let's be real. Wouldn't you try to defend yourself? Well, do it. I mean, at least I know I probably would. I mean, knowing myself, I probably would try to say something that they're lying or something. But Jesus chose to be quiet. And then it goes on, and the Bible says that. Pontius Pilate says, do you not realize Jesus? Man, that's the part where I said, do not realize, but that's not me. But Pontius Pilate says, do you not realize that I have the authority <laughs> to set you free. And Jesus says, the only reason why you have authority is because my Father in heaven gave you the authority. Oh, man, that gives me tears just thinking about it. Think about it for a second. He didn't try to defend himself. He tried to speak truth to Pontius Pilate. He wasn't trying to get out of it. He was just speaking. He wanted Pontius Pilate's heart to be free as well, too. And in the midst of a broken body, he was still aiming for Pontius Pilate's heart because he said, I want a triumphal entry into his heart. That's what he wanted. Significance. Jesus, in the midst of trial, Jesus, in the midst of it all, had lived a significant life, and there was moments where he had to be quiet. Now, where do we need to be quiet in our lives? We're thinking we're doing it for God. But maybe God's saying, hey, just let me do my work. Let me touch their heart. You can't fix them. I can. Why are you trying to shove it down their throat? Why are you trying to make them do something? How about you just pray, be quiet, and let, let, watch me do something. And when, I, when, when I'm going to use you, I will make sure you know that. And then you can go ahead and go forward. What area in our lives do we, we, we face that? Because there are moments we just have to You know, Jesus, again, he has such a significant life. He wants your life to be significant. But my wife and I, we were talking the other day, and we were talking about the stripes on his back that he took, the whips on his back, that was significant. Every single one, every lash was significant. And he thought about your brokenness, and he thought about the diseases, and he thought about sicknesses. He thought about coughs and colds, fevers and flus. He thought about it all. And says, this right here is significant for your life. My wife also said, man, this is really good. This one really got me. She said, did you know the crown of thorns 
was just not because he had to put it on for punishment, but it was significant that all that pressure that we feel, the mind games that we go through, those restless nights that we have, Jesus endured all that so he can be set free from it. The crowns that penetrated his head and the skull. I mean, just a week ago, my wife had, a, had an injury and a mild concussion, and she's sitting here set free because she understood that the nails that were, or the crown of thorns that were penetrating Jesus, she doesn't have to sit here forever in pain and pressure. It's significant. The stuff that he went through, it's significant. It was for you. It was for me. It was for all of us here. The nails in his hands and feet. You know, sometimes we, we think of the nails in the hands and his feet, but we don't realize that they're not scars and they're not just, they're holes that are still there today to remind us, to remind us what he did on earth, to remind us this is the covenant and, 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 and the freedom I give you. Significant in his life, so it can be significant in our life. Not only that, much more. This one thing is what really won it all. His blood. His blood. He gave every ounce of his blood for you that you might accept him is what the Bible says. That you might. He knew some people weren't and he still did it. And the Bible says so that you might accept him. His desire is that all of us do so, but he knew some people are going to reject me, but I'm still going to give all to this world. All of it, every ounce of my blood is going to this world because I want to redeem and I want to set free. And the reason why he had such a significant life was because he wants you to live a significant life. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to put nails in your hands. You don't have to wear thorns on your head. You don't have to do any of that. What you have to do is just live for him. And that is significant enough for people in this world. Jesus says you are called to be the light of the world. Light. That means he's going to put you in dark places so you can illuminate the room. Not the fact that he's going to put you where all the light's at. And let's keep everybody here because that's all dark over there. He's going to put you in uncomfortable, uncertain areas because you have light and they need to see something. So that job that you're thinking of, Jesus, get me out of here. This is the devil's place. Jesus says, I know. That's why I had the light in there. I need you in there. You need to light this place. You need to let them know who I am. Redefine who I am in their lives. Because they heard of me, but they don't know who I really am, how, what I offer to them. You have the antidote. You have the answer. You go and be a light to the world. He says we're the salt of the world as well, too. And salt really preserves. We're here to preserve this way. If we're gone, this world is doomed, but we're here. We're here preserving because God is not a God that's just waiting for all destruction to happen. God is a God that's patient. And he's saying, but I know you want to go right now. I know we want to restore, but, but there's still people that don't know me yet. And they need to know me. They need to have a chance to hear the gospel for the first time so they can come to the light. And sometimes, let's be honest, and this is a confession for me. Sometimes we can be so selfish about God. Let's just get this done. I mean, come on, take us to heaven. We're done. Like, new world, new everything. 
But God's saying, no, I'm waiting because there's still that person in your life I'm waiting for you to talk to. Why would you want to go and not even give them a chance? That's a patient God. The Bible says Paul, Paul wrestled that in his heart. He says, I, I want to I wanna just say it's done and go to heaven. It's, it's all good now, God. But my heart wrestles to stay because I know it's for their good. And they, and they, they need to hear your news. And so one way I want to go, but another way I want to stay, knowing there's still a mission. But at the end of the day, I'm going to choose to stay. I'm going to choose to stay. Because I know there are people that don't know you yet, Jesus. That's what God wants to do in your heart and in your life. But you need to have a triumphal entry of Jesus entering into your heart. So the rest can take place and that can continue on as you go on. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and bow our heads.